it was it was beautiful it was like the most painful time of my life yet the most beautiful at the same time it was just weird I will wave my hands with praise and adoration. I will wave my hands with praise and adoration. Love that tune. Uh, you're listening to the Basement Years podcast. It's me, Simon Tuck. And I'm back this week with Colin Piper. Hello, Colin. Hello. I, I'm just trying to work out why you're waving your hands. What are you, Do you what, remember what? singing that? We used to sing that all the no. time. I'll wave my hands with praise and adoration. Were you never at any of the worship? Yes. Oh, I, it's because you didn't have a London accent. You've got to sing it. I'll wave my hands with praise and adoration. I'll wave my hands. I've got it now. You didn't... Honestly, who are you? Have you gone oh posh in your old age? Yes, you got posh on us. I, I live in Amsterdam. You nearly live in St Albans these well, days. That, well, that's it. Above St Albans, so therefore... Yeah, it's Flitwick, actually. Yeah, Flitwick. <laughs> Flitwick. As in, like, nobody can say it right. So uh, no, even if you go online, you go Flitwick, and the, the Professor know, Flitwick really comes up. It's swearing, doesn't it? A little bit. Just yeah. a tad. Yeah. So uh, last week we spoke to Dave Luck and Dave Luck will come back. We haven't kicked him off altogether, right? But um, <laughs> we were going to talk about someone else and get a guest on. So I've managed oh, to come of a guest for you. Okay. Do you want to describe what you think they look like now? Because that's what you said you do last week, Colin. Describe what I think. Oh, I see. <laughs> what This person always has been in nearly all of our minds, the sweetest, most gorgeous person. Who do you think I'm talking about? Ladies and gentlemen... Yes, it's Richard Hathaway. Yay! No, it's not, Tracy no. Catton. No, no, it's not even dear Tracy. It is, ladies and gentlemen, presenting to you, Claire. You would know her as Skull. Yes, Claire Skull. Hello, Claire. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? <laughs> Isn't it weird that, you know, when you look at someone for, you haven't seen for absolute donkeys and you go, man, just, or you, can, you can't get out of your head their original surname and you forget they've moved on in life I know. twice twice, <laughs> twice. <laughs> did you ever go back to claire skull in between never. you've no. never gone back to Thanks skull nope. oh no Was it actually you asked what does what does this person look like do you know what this person looks like she looked like when she was a teenager i, I mean it's just you are doing so well claire I would like to say the same thing back to you guys, but it's not quite true, though, is it? I'm fat and bald. <laughs> Colin did have a bit more hair then. <laughs> that is the truth. So, Claire yeah. Scott, Claire Teal, welcome, welcome to the Basement Years podcast. Uh, you listened to Dave Luck last week and was a little bit resting coming on this week, right? Because you thought it'd have to be like super spiritual and heavy, right? I, I just really felt that I probably don't have a lot of interesting things to contribute to. Uh, to podcasts, especially following Dave, because I thought that was really brilliant. Well, look, I mean, Colin and I are going to share a story. Uh, in fact, Colin, have you got a story of when Claire was younger that we could hear? Because Claire, it's really important that we just like put you on a pedestal for a moment and tell a great story about you. And in fact, what, one of my favorite, well, Colin, why are you having a think? Uh, one of my favorite yeah. stories is you made my birthday, my uh, 90, my 20th birthday quite amazing um, because I was driving along, I'm um, a little Morris Minor, and you and Tracy had stuck up some signs by the Monks Park lights. Do you remember this? No recollection. Are you sure? Shut <laughs> up. You were like, you honestly, you were like 15 or 16, and you'd put up happy birthday, Simon, from the bus team, um, which was awkward because the T was very close to the bus. And I just went, it was just like one of those moments where I, when we drove to school, or drove to George Miller Foundation that morning, you kind of wished us a happy birthday. 
Oh. I, I was probably in the midst of a big crush on you. That's probably the reason I did it. Oh, sorry. I, I have so many memories of Claire and they're so positive. They're, they're not just funny, they're just gorgeous memories of you, Claire, when you first came to faith, actually, at Monk's Park School. You were on the first camp at Hill House. You were the, on the bus uh, with, the, with the bus project. You in Palestine when we, uh, when we went there. Um, I spoke at your university CU and uh, I even ended up living in Claire's garage. So wow. there you go. Enough, enough stories to, to fill a lifetime, a library of books, I think. Yeah. So Claire, yeah, you, you were never on the year team though, were you? You never did the year out with us? No, I was in Palestine when, when it was my year out. What do you do out there then? I don't know if you remember you going out to Palestine. So. Yeah, I, I worked in a children's home for a year. I was a house mother. Gosh, it seems oh, it's such a long time ago now. <laughs> Dim and distant memories. I was back there. I was back there a couple of years ago, actually. I, 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 oh, so many memories. So many memories. I, I actually walked past, uh, this is in Bethlehem, and I walked past the uh, House of Hope, wasn't it? Mm. That was it. Yeah. No, you're amazing. You're amazing there, Claire. Claire, yeah. I realise that Facebook's like a virtually brand new thing. Have you kept in contact ever with anybody back in those days? Um, well, mainly over Facebook, I, I must admit. Not, I haven't seen anybody for a long, long time. Probably Colin is the person I've seen the most, having lived in the same town as him until a few years ago. But yeah, just generally over Facebook, catching up, because I am really nosy, so I do like to know what's going on in everyone else's lives. In fact, I saw a photo of me at your house wearing a cowboy hat, and I can't remember why. I don't know why, unless it wasn't a cowboy hat. But I definitely was at your house uh, wearing some head attire, and I was always very jealous of the fact that you had you the only person I knew that had a hot tub. And I thought, wow, Claire's really grown up now. She's got a hot tub in her house. I'm, I'm much poorer now than I was then. I, I don't have a hot tub anymore. Oh. Colin, why are we talking to Claire? Still, why, why are we talking to Claire? <laughs> Wait, poor the poverty's relative, you know. I, I, I'm a poor crofter up in the north of Scotland. Don't talk to me about poverty, you know. We eat our own potatoes up here. How important was the the support that you got from people in Bristol at the time when you were a teenager? It was amazing, actually. Just thinking about that sort of foundation of community that we had, I, it just feels to me like the, the best sort of bedrock that I was able to use to, to build my life going forwards when I think about the, the opportunity to hope and dream for my future um, and to, to sit under the wisdom of, of people who I still really respect now, you know, 30, more than 30 years later, I, I feel really grateful to have had that. So how did it help uh, that bedrock of faith that was grown within you? By God, obviously, not just by the people around you, but how did you take that on board throughout the, your life? Because your life has had some ups and downs as well, right? Definitely. I think, I think by the time you get to our age, probably most people have encountered the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I think, you know, having amazing guys back during those teenage years modeling good relationship with God and speaking wisdom into my life um, really gave me a basis of faith um, 
that has carried me through some really tough times. I wouldn't say it's necessarily prepared me for all the good times because, I'm um, sorry, bad times, because I think that there are some things that you just can't be prepared for. Um, and some things you have to go through and you have to learn from them and come out the other side. Um, but I think um, that the foundations of faith for me um, have, have carried me um, and my relationship with God now might look quite different from the outside to what it was. But I would say that the depth of my walk with God um, has, has probably only ever really grown from that foundation that I had from, from the start, from the age of 13. Yeah, I think there's a moment, isn't there, where it, you're right. And I, I, I think our hopes and dreams as leaders were just to kind of help and support and grow and what is lovely is to see there are some people that are still going on with faith, but there are still some people we still have contact with that still do remember the good old times, but actually uh, maybe have deferred slightly on what, what faith is about. I mean, how have you still got a faith today when life has been a bit rubbish? Um, I, I think I have to put that down to the grace of God at the end of the day. Um, when my first marriage ended, I actually believed that I, I had to make a choice between my faith and what I saw as escape from a marriage that I was really unhappy in. And I, I felt like if I, if I left my marriage, actually, I had to give up my faith because in my mind, I would be on the rubbish heap. I, I, I sort of thought that as, as a Christian and had some sort of prominence in my church perhaps that if if my marriage ended that was kind of the end of me in terms of me as a Christian you know months later uh, um, encountering the grace of God and seeing that actually he he still loved me and he forgave me and he actually still had a plan for my life and he was going to pick me up out of the gutter and in more than that, you know, he, where I was so tormented and so I was very depressed for a while, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I would say that it was a very real encounter with God that got me through that time. So not only did he sort of um, say, actually, you're not, you're not on the rubbish heap. He then picked me up and carried me to this, to this place where I'd, I just hadn't known him like that before. So that, so I would say it's the grace of God that is still sort of making me stand here saying I'm a Christian and my walk with God is possibly deeper than it's ever been, but perhaps a bit different to what it used to be. These are all brilliant Christian words, not a clue about what you're talking about. Um, no, I do. I do really. But what I'm saying is, actually, if I'm listening to this, I'm going, right, okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, he carried me, he helped me, he, the grace pointed me in the direction. I get the whole like new picture thing and I get the whole like new future thing. Mm -hmm. But what what does that really look like practically that, 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 that God stepped in at those points in time? What is it really, what was the, what were those moments that God did something tangibly? And I, and I have to thank you for saying that actually, Simon, because I've got a bit of a bugbear about Christianese these days. So for you to have just pointed out all the Christianese I've just said, I think, I think what it looked like in practice was someone who was a real mess, 
um, who was who was really depressed, who felt like they had done the worst possible bad thing a person can do, meeting the living God. It, it was a very strange few months because I, I couldn't sleep. And so when I would sleep for a couple of hours, I'd be exhausted, I'd fall asleep and I'd normally wake up sort of one or two in the morning. And then I would spend three hours in this place where it was the only place I could feel peace and not anxiety. And um, I'm trying to not to use Christianese here, but it was like something engulfed me and it was God. And he, he helped me to understand myself he picked, he picked me up and he carried me. He made me feel loved and like I was his child. And, you know, that was the important thing that he loved me and he would carry me. We know there's a moment, right, Colin, where you can know the love of God in a way that is tangibly just God at work, right? It's fascinating what Claire's just said, because... Uh, your your experience Claire's nearly everybody's experience as a kid you you know you've got the whole of your life ahead of you everything is exciting uh, you don't wake up in the morning you know with sort of fears of dropping dead or whatever or all that stuff it's all just everything's so positive and then you discover two things first of all you discover that life sucks and then you discover that you suck and uh, your faith is not ready for those two major discoveries. But then what you discover is that your faith actually can see you through both those experiences. In fact, C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and all the Narnia stories, called suffering God's megaphone. In other words, that is where God speaks loudest, is through the pain. That is where we can discover God in the fullest most and the reason you're struggling to explain it Claire is it's so personal it's so you it's you can't there's no formula here it's not as if you can say do this and this 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 and this will happen to you because it won't it's different for every single person it's so personal it's so intimate and it's so beautiful the problem we face is is that we 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 do exactly what you said, Claire, actually. First of all, when, when life sucks, we, we turn around and say, but I thought life wasn't supposed to suck. I thought now I'm a Christian. God works all things together for good for those who love him. And therefore, nothing bad should ever happen to me. Therefore, God doesn't exist. So that gives us problem number one. And then when we discover that we suck, actually, that we fail, that we're, we make mistakes, that we mess up so big time, um, we, we, we don't know what to do with that either because we think, again, we shouldn't be like this. And so we don't actually then give God a chance in the midst of the pain and the failure to, to do what he wants to do, which is reveal his love and his grace and say to you, Claire, no, you're not a failure. You're my daughter who I love and I just want to love you and you're going to pain. So I want to walk that road with you. I want to be there with you. And it's, it is the fullest possible experience. But what we tend to do is we tend to turn our back at that point and say, no, that can't be, that can't, that can't be right. It must all just be a load of um, whatever. And that's that. I think as well that perhaps sometimes we don't turn back to God or we don't cry out to him because we feel like the thing he's going to then require of us is to turn or change or not be ourselves anymore and you know my 
I'm sure that there were probably just about everybody who was a Christian friend of mine when my marriage broke up, I'm sure that they were all praying that our, we would be reconciled and that there would be that lovely sort of Christian happy ending. And you know, that, that didn't happen, um, but something different has happened and God has made a way. And I think, you know, when we surrender to him or that's a bit Christian as well, when we, when we just cry out to him, he meets us where we are. He doesn't, he didn't require me to suddenly become something different to what I was or, mm-hmm do something different to what I was doing he totally met me where I was um which was I I just couldn't get my head around it the the grace of it was so huge and so humbling it was it was beautiful it was like the most painful time of my life yet the most beautiful at the same time it was just weird why didn't you turn your back why didn't you turn your back on God um what what made you persist was it a lifelong faith was it people around you? Why didn't you just go abandon, abandon faith at that point in time? I think I was so desperately in pain. I didn't know where else to go. Nothing could comfort me. In fact, it makes me feel quite emotional now talking about it. I was, I was so broken. Um, and in those moments, you know, when I was at home by myself, me and my ex-husband, we, we shared the kids one week at a time. Mm. So there were weeks where I was by myself. Mm. And in those times when I was by myself, it was like I, I didn't know, didn't know who else to cry out to, to, to help me. Mm. It was despair, I guess. Mm. So look back now on reflection then Claire thank you for sharing that by the way thank you for being mm. very personal there Re- yeah. honestly it really it's a, a real eye-opener and um, I completely understand uh, your situation um, I think there's a moment where if you could look back on yourself what piece of advice would you give someone who is maybe struggling um, has struggled with faith but actually hasn't decided to sort of maintain or go on what would you say I wish you'd asked me this question before we did this so I could plan like a really good answer. I think that sometimes in the Christian world, there's an expectation for us to be a certain way and say the right things and do the right things. And I think that God meets us when we're truly ourselves Mm -hmm. with him, when we come to him just as we really are with all the messy bits, with the doubts, with the anger towards him, with the brokenness, with the regrets, all that that stuff that has caused us pain. I I would say that, you know, if, if it feels like you're not sure or you don't know, then we're not talking about church here or religion or anything like that. We're talking about God who from, from my experience over the past 30 years has proved himself to be really real and true to me. So I think you just have to come as you are, because if he, if he's real, he's going to meet us as we are with our hearts. Honest. Does that answer the question? It's not bad, Claire. Do you know, I think uh, post-COVID is going to be really interesting because I actually think uh, church attendance is going to drop massively because people have got used to just doing their own thing and they'll put church online or something. But I'm really excited by this fact 
because instead of it being a show of people who feel they ought to be there, it will be people who really genuinely want to be there and really genuinely, I pray, will be there as their truth, as selves, not trying to put on an act, perform. And uh, one of the sadnesses, I think, uh, of so much of what masquerades as church Christian life is that it's a farce. And of course, at the end of the day, that is what puts so many people off real faith. If we had a, <laughs> if we could just ad admit our failings, admit our doubts, admit our confusion, uh, and yet in the midst of that say, but this I know, <laughs> then what we know becomes even more powerful, doesn't it? Against the backdrop of all the, all the uncertainty and all the, all, all the mess. It's just so beautiful. And we need that authentic message. And what you're talking about, Claire, is authenticity and it's, it's wonderful really wonderful yeah. yes from from someone who said they had nothing to say i think we've yeah. learned a lot claire thank you <laughs> genuinely thank you oh, thanks guys that's really <laughs> sweet thank you so uh we're listening to the basement podcast and uh featuring this week yes claire claire skull claire everything else Teal, right and that's the official title now and uh, mr colin piper as well uh, we'll be back next week maybe you'd like to be on this podcast then uh like claire will coerce you uh, you, you can get in touch and uh, say how much you'd love to be actually uh, can i just add this please can I just add this? has we claire got a book out has claire got a book out <laughs> i mean is this the, is the bit where you pluck a book I'm not plugging Claire's book, no, okay. no, I'm afraid not, no. But what what I'd like to say is we don't know everybody. Um, we haven't. We're not still in touch with everybody. Still in touch with loads and loads of people. If you know people who were part of that whole Muller thing, uh, could you just tell them about this? Could you forward it on and tell them to forward it on and uh, tell them to be in touch? It'll be wonderful to hear from folks. But if you can just forward it to whoever you've got in your contacts, friends list, um, it, would, it would just be amazing. So thank you. Down, down, down.